150 years of Children's National Hospital, 150 years of groundbreaking research, of exceptional healthcare for kids, of helping families like mine and yours. 150 years stronger with your help. Please give today. Visit childrensnational.org slash 150 years. That's childrensnational.org slash 150 years. You can accept it or be stupid and be a skeptic. Unconceivable, unbelievable. <laughs> Unidentified flying objects. I want to Welcome to the I Want to Believe podcast. This is a special bonus episode. I'm Nomar Slavic, and unfortunately, Kyle is not with us right now. However, I did want to post up some special audio for everyone. What we've got here is the director commentary for my documentary, Otherworldly Amore. As it turns out, authoring DVDs is a bit of a bitch. And I was unable to get this director's commentary on to the DVD. So it was a very frustrating process. But anyway, I did want to make sure that I did put the director commentary out there. So I have a format to do that. So I'm doing that. With this commentary, you'll hear that I do reference that this is on the DVD and all that. So fuck all that shit. And I w- it was a hot night <laughs> when I recorded it and I was drinking water. So there's lots of times when you can hear me take sips and I apologize for that. But it is a raw and unfiltered commentary that lasts 40 minutes. It's just as long as the documentary. And all you got to do is go on to Amazon Prime or pop in your DVD lineup when you hear the big smack at the beginning of the documentary. That's the smack of the rogue paramedia logo and boom you're on your way and everything will be lined up for you so i hope you enjoy it if you haven't seen the documentary or you're sick of hearing me talk about the documentary uh you never want to watch a documentary then you probably shouldn't listen to this also i just started pre-production on season three fucking three of the I Want to Believe podcast. I have 10 episodes written. I don't know how many episodes we're going to do. And Kyle and I are going to get together and we're going to get them all recorded like we always do. And then I'm going to get everything edited like we always do. And then we're going to plop everything online for the winter of 2020. All right, that's all I got for now. Well, hello, everybody. This is Nomar Slavik. I am the writer, director, and editor of this documentary that you're watching right now called Otherworldly Amore. So thank you for tuning into this. You know, I'm not really sure who's going to click on that <laughs> on the DVD or Blu-ray. So thank you for checking this out. And this is just a director's commentary. It is raw and unfiltered and unedited so whatever i say goes and we're getting started here right at the beginning of the documentary uh that was the introduction to this piece here and god love 
um, these free stock websites uh, because that's where I got some of these clips here that are used in the documentary and it really helps you to fill in the spaces and to help tell a story and when you're out shooting boy the only thing if i were to give any advice is to make sure you have b-roll uh, i believe this is also stock footage there although bill brock he uh, he shot this right here with the drone and uh, it looks amazing it looks amazing i love it <clears throat> so much that little technique there was something I had to YouTube on how to make those squiggly lines onto the uh, onto the video, and it's it's you know if you're well versed in Adobe Premiere, I'm sure it's easy, but it probably took me four or five hours just to do that. This is a great shot here outside of uh, Shauna and Josh's house. This is right in their backyard. We actually had two days of shooting, so, you know, shooting a documentary, I guess, depending on its scope and how much you have to travel, things like that, uh, but scheduling plays a key part um, depending on, on all of that stuff. You can actually shoot a documentary very quickly, and the real long process comes with the editing, and um, that's not only been my experience, that's been the experience of some of my peers as well so you can you know shoot a documentary typically you know in two three four maybe even a week amount of time you know two three four days or or maybe a week and uh, and then edit everything together and for me that took a while i had to relearn adobe premiere <laughs> uh, i had actually gone to college for video and multimedia and all that kind of cool stuff and i graduated in 1999 it is now 2019 and so you can imagine things have changed quite dramatically technology wise so i essentially had to relearn adobe premiere all over again but you know when you have a a, a foundation for using software to edit either music or video or or something to that effect or you know even photoshop you kind of have this general knowledge on how software works so you're not completely lost and for me as i was going about getting myself familiarized with adobe premiere you know i would just use these clips and try these you know different techniques and skills on them and i would keep doing it until i had a pretty good handle on it and anything else i didn't know i would honestly just youtube a tutorial on it and uh i could always get the desire the the desired effect that i wanted you know there's there's nothing high stakes going on here this isn't you know a cgi ridden film by any means you know so very uh basic graphics and basic um uh, uh cgi or or you know effects that i used here so uh certainly um able to be done by anybody with any sort of um less than moderate skill level <laughs> essentially if i can do it you can do it and probably better <laughs> here's another great shot that bill brock did absolutely love it we filmed this on 
September 1st of 2018, the day before Bill and I were in Exeter, New Hampshire, and uh, I had given a presentation uh, on the 31st that evening at the KRI Center for Conscious Studies, great little center, and um, I did a PowerPoint presentation and uh, was selling some books and uh, signing some stuff and had a great turnout, and we actually showed Bill Brock me and Bill Brock's documentary abducted New England at that at that event, and then the next day we started production on uh, my documentary right here. So uh, kind of cool, kind of cool. Bill's a good guy, so uh, he's always uh, helpful with shooting stuff. This is um, uh, this was all shot by Bill. So pretty much anything that's shot very well in this documentary was shot by Bill. Anything that's shoddy or shitty, uh, I probably shot it. And then uh, all the evidence is actually captured by Shauna and Josh, which is amazing. That comes up in the second half of the documentary. I assumed you already watched it. I couldn't imagine you would start with this, the stupid director's commentary first and then watch the documentary. But if you did, you know, more power to you, I suppose. But yeah, Bill shot all this, and I actually reversed Josh's image. So Josh is sitting to the right <clears throat> here, and in the uh, the just the, uh, the headshots or medium shots. I don't know what they call them anymore. And um, he was actually sitting to the left. So if you notice his shirt, the uh, text on it is backwards. But you know that's okay. I don't care. And Shauna, she actually is uh, not corrected, and she's or or not uh, changed. She's uh, sitting in the original position, which is to the left, which you saw actually in the uh, in the intro there. Um, and this is all color corrected too. You know the blacks look really nice and black and everything and. So uh, the color correction, boy, that was that was a bit of a process because there's <clears throat> there's lots of different ways that you can color correct, and I downloaded uh, a bunch of plugins and playing with them is it's quite the process at least for me anyways because the computer system that I'm using to or that I used to edit this documentary. It is not robust by any means. It's not made for video editing. So Adobe Premiere and Photoshop and whatever else I have on there operates very slowly because those are robust programs, uh, robust software to be running on on an HP laptop. So I had to get, you know, a bit creative and uh, on how to, to 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 work around those lags. So what I ended up having to do is make little clips, you know, anywhere from one minute to four minutes and then piece all those clips together to to make this documentary and for the color correction piece I couldn't get the preview video inside the Adobe Premiere software to play smoothly because again it's so robust and the computer system uh, or the laptop couldn't couldn't keep up and so it kept buffering while it was trying to play and that's really hard when you're trying to make edits and while you're trying to see how things look on screen without it being pixelated or buffering so what I would do uh, is I would render out you know like 30 seconds of video and that might not seem like a big deal but rendering out 30 seconds of video on my laptop takes about a half hour or so um, 
Yeah, well, I guess depending on the quality. So if I did a lower quality, it would obviously take, you know, maybe five minutes, something like that. But I wanted the highest quality possible because I wanted to see what the broadcast quality would look like with the color correction or any edits that I made. So I tested a bunch of color correction plugins on different pieces of video so I could see what it looked like. And anytime I did that, you know, just 30 seconds, it would take about a half hour. So I'm probably 10, 10, 12 hours um, just in color correction testing, you know, so th that was, that was quite the process. I think I finished that over the course of a week with all the rendering and trying out the different plugins. And I finally settled on a certain plugin. Boy, I'm trying to think of the name of it right now. Z32, something like that. Anyway, um, it was a combination of that plugin plus some color correction in the uh, color palette uh, module or tab or whatever they call it in Premiere. Playing around with that a little bit with the different colors and the whites and blacks and exposure and contrast brightness, all that good stuff. That was quite a bit over um, <laughs> discussing color correction, but... You know, I guess just giving to giving you some insight into what uh, you know filmmakers have to go through when they're editing, especially poor filmmakers with shoddy equipment. Maybe all I'm describing is just what I went through, and I don't even think I can call myself a uh, a filmmaker. I would say I'm a quasi documentarian, <laughs> and quasi means that well, you don't really, you know, you're not really one, but you're kind of pretending to be one or you think you're one but you're not really one but anyways what, what when it boils down why i write, write these books why i make these documentaries <clears throat> why i do my podcast which is i want to believe the podcast check it out it's on itunes and spotify all that good stuff why i do all that um under the umbrella of paranormal which is everything from hauntings to ufos sasquatch uh, uh dogmen black-eyed kids all that good stuff the reason i do all that is i like to tell stories and i like to tell i i, I like to share share people's stories to to for a few different reasons it's it's to get these stories out there because i think they're important something's happening in the world and some not everybody's paying attention to it and i think it's an important thing to pay attention to because not everything is is always what it seems and it maybe could have a bigger uh impact to our lives than than we truly understand and well, without getting all philosophical or giving you all of my opinions on, on the paranormal, I, I, I want to tell people's stories so they can be heard. And these stories can be cataloged uh, realistically for like historical record. You know, people like Seth Breedlove and Alexander Petikov and Bill Brock and Lauren Coleman and, and Michelle Soyer and, and so, so many other people. I mean, even like Jason Hawes, Josh Gates, like uh, all these guys um, <laughs> and beyond. I'm missing like a million names, so please don't get mad at me. But there's a, a, a bunch of people out there like me and like those people I named that are trying to get these stories out there. And it's not for, quote, entertainment purposes or to make money. It's because these these stories need to be told and they need to be told with care and with affection and you know with 
uh, a non-judgmental ear. Some of these stories are crazy. Listen to what Josh is saying right now, you know, about being pulled off his bed and seeing these things on the ceiling. Like, that's ridiculous. You know, that's absolutely ridiculous. But when you look at Josh in his eyes, that which I did on more than one occasion, and him sharing these stories with me, you can't help but believe him. There's such a genuineness to him and to Shauna that their story begs to be told. And I'd like to do that and get their story out there so other people can hear them. And sometimes that might be perceived as entertainment to whoever's watching it, which, you know, that's fine uh, because they have some sort of interest in the paranormal. But for other people who have had unknown or, or, or otherworldly experiences, they can know that they're not alone. And they're like, wow, you know, this, this thing was really crazy and it happened to them and these people shared it and, and they're fine and, and hopefully they feel better and maybe I don't feel so alone right now. And maybe I just, um, maybe I can share my story or, or maybe that person will just have the solace of knowing that they're not alone and that's great too, you know. So anyways, enough blabbing about that. <laughs> um, I, I, uh, uh, I just really enjoy telling people's stories and, and, and I like doing it in all sorts of mediums. You know, I've done it with the written word and, uh, through audio with podcasts and my own music and, uh, also in video format, you know, and, 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 uh, maybe there'll be another technology that I will experiment with at some point, who knows, you know, holograms or make an app or, you know, I don't know, but. Uh, for right now, I think we're going to stick to writing and podcasts and, and these documentaries here and, and that'll be good right now. It's, uh, it's, it's May 1st, 2019, and, uh, I'm sitting in a recliner and I'm watching this on a television and I, I just can't believe that we're finally at this moment, you know, when I, when I took on Josh's and Shauna's story. I went and visited them uh, during the summer of 2018. We shot this in August, part of it in August, but I actually went and saw them for an initial visit. Boy, it's maybe June of 2018. Maybe it might have been a little earlier than that. And uh, I just went down and interviewed them, and uh, I was just blown away by their story. And I just knew that. Um, you know, writing about it in a book wouldn't have done it justice. They have all this evidence and you can't just share that evidence in a book. There's some pictures obviously that we could share, but they have like video evidence. They have audio evidence and it really begged to be told uh, on video. And after having a discussion with them for right around three hours, maybe four hours, I asked them, if they would allow me to make a documentary about, about their experiences. And I wouldn't say they were apprehensive, but they were, you know, <laughs> they were just like, what? <laughs> and, uh, had to think about it, you know, a little bit. And we discussed some of the concerns that they had and, and, uh, and from that moment on it led to, uh, or turned into this, 
this amazing journey of friendship and, and you know getting to know one another and to really get to know them intimately it was uh quite the journey for us you know we uh we we keep in fairly constant communication uh we talk weekly whether it's uh via you know instant messenger or by phone or uh going to see them you know we've you know i've been down a few times and and all that good stuff and they're just amazing people and, and and we only had you know the the two days of shooting august 31st and then i went down again in february of this year and and, and shot some more stuff all the evidence review stuff which is the second half of this documentary and um so i only really spent three full days with them I had seen them on a couple other different occasions, like they came down to, you know, my presentation down at KRI, things like that. But uh, what's really interesting, or maybe what's sad, is that I actually spent the last year with them every day. But it was on my laptop and and hearing their voices in my headphones and looking at their faces, you know, 12 inches away from mine on my computer screen. And, you know, they became my friends that way and I got to know them that way. And uh, I didn't know this would be so emotional, but. You know, uh, you, re you just really get to know somebody when, when you can tell how they feel about something because of the nuance in their tone of voice. And that's what I got to learn about them. And uh, it's, it's not reciprocal because they didn't have that experience with me. They have experiences with me of meeting me in person, talking to me in person, and then essentially talking to me online. You know, and, and of course we've developed this this uh, mutual kinship, but but I feel I feel as though I've had this intimate relationship with them. Uh, intimate in the sense of you know close and 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 getting their thoughts on all the raw video, all the raw audio, and really hearing everything about their lives you know because we have about 10 hours worth of video and this is chopped down to you know <laughs> 40 minutes or so and there's just so much so much that i've learned about them over the last year spending every day with them and i just think they're amazing and uh, they they absolutely love each other and and when it comes down to it this is a love story that's the story i'm telling here and it's the 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 extraterrestrial aspect to it is equally as fascinating in my opinion but the love story just how much the these guys love each other like i want that in my life with someone and it's really interesting when i met them a chapter in my personal life had just ended it just ended a, a few months before that it was a long-term relationship of uh you know six years and uh, I'm still in love and uh, but it's over and these guys <laughs> I just I could have been better and uh, and they they showed me that they they showed me how I could have been better you know how to how to love better I don't even know if that's a thing but you know just to and it, it, 
and it's not about doing these things for you know for another another person or buying gifts or whatever it's about it's about you being good to yourself and, and having confidence in yourself and to love yourself because when you can do all that you can then love another person you know and, and i think sean and josh had their own you know personal uh you know well as we all do baggage and things like that and and they helped course correct each other and it happened very quickly and 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 i've never seen a relationship as stable as as these two guys they're they're lunatics in love <laughs> and uh, it's inspiring something to strive for yeah this part right here sorry boy that was a tangent but this part i told you unedited anyway this part right here was was really interesting when i went down in february shauna started talking about electronics that weren't working and and things that would screw up around the house and sure enough as soon as i hit the record button i was maybe able to record about i don't know 10 minutes worth of video and a lot of that was just kind of like b-roll and getting set up and, and things like that but when it came time for them to be like okay let's go action my camera stops working you know it's like what what's going on here so i shut it down and restart it and i'm like okay we're back up to speed da, da, da. um start recording again boom it would freeze i was like what and it, you know it would record for maybe 30 seconds a minute i think the most i got uh, once they once action was called it was about a minute 30. so i had um some of this b-roll stuff which is what you saw in the slow motion and then for the actual scenes i had about a minute 30 of like usable things usable video and at one point i even went into the uh, to go look at the files and they weren't there i'm like wow it, it shows that it recorded for a minute 30. for a minute here for you know a minute there but the the files weren't there so i'm like that's really weird so this was like once we were done filming and everything for the night i'm back at the uh, hotel room and i'm looking in the camera and all the files are there now they were they weren't there before but now they're they were there later it was it was very odd but anyways during that scene um and we couldn't get those things recorded uh when my camera started messing up so did josh's laptop and josh has you know like a mac laptop or a, a, like a macbook you know and those things are solid and he's pulled it out a bunch of times uh, around me to show me you know evidence that he's caught and stuff like that and play video and it always works fine and again as soon as we're ready to for them to start talking about this evidence you know my camera messes up and then his laptop messes up it was really weird and uh so i was you know and being a being a poor filmmaker i uh that that's all i had that's the only camera i had and josh god bless him was like you know what i've got this older sony digital camera do you want to use that and i'm like well fuck i might as well you know we've got to get got to get something on video here and um, so the quality isn't the best on his you know the camera i was using is you know 4k camera da, da, da. and the camera he had i think it uh tops out at uh at uh geez 1280 you know something like that i whatever the the uh 
resolution is, but it's not high quality. And, um, yeah, or not super high quality or broadcast quality. But anyway, so that's why there's the, uh, the, the, the tiny screens of them. Cause if I did full screen, it'd look pixelated, things like that. So I had to get creative and use the, um, the small videos there but anyway so this the this whole part here where we're outside this was after we were done shooting and we went outside to investigate a little bit and it was so weird you know we saw some 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 lights in the sky and uh shauna saw this one that actually you know was it was star size but it ended up disappearing on her so that was kind of cool we actually saw some other um lights that were were pretty cool but they could have been satellites or you know who knows but while we were just kind of like chilling and, and looking in the skies and stuff, we started hearing talking coming from the woods and you couldn't make it out. It was kind of, you know, murmuring or, but you know, you could tell it was voices and, and it was coming from the woods behind their house. There's, there's no houses there. There's maybe, I mean, boy, oh boy, maybe, I think Josh was saying four or 500 yards back there. You know, so you're talking three, four, five football fields back, there might be a house. And we weren't hearing anybody walking. Although when we first walked out, we saw these deer running away. And it, that was like, as soon as we opened the door, about a hundred yards away, these deer took off, you know. So it was really easy to scare animals away because, uh, you know, we're just walking around and we're people being loud. So to hear this voice in the woods and in my opinion it sounded male i think they agreed that it sounded male and it was just murmuring we couldn't tell what it was so we you know we're taking pictures unfortunately the camera didn't pick up any of the audio but we took these pictures and you know uh, some weird anomalies on them i really don't know what to make of them you know it doesn't mean extraterrestrial it, you know it could be just uh you know matrixing or, or pareidolia um with the pictures that we saw one of them could really be just a fire ember that we caught with this cool little swoop who knows you know but uh, it was really weird that perfect triangle that was caught in the direction of the voices that we heard i don't know i don't know what to make of that so oh man now we're getting into their their evidence that they caught before i even met them and these pictures i think seeing these pictures right here is what made me want to do this documentary you know to tell their story other than you know the written form or to have them come on my podcast or something i saw these and i was like oh my god as many people as possible need to see these pictures like these are amazing and you know here they're they're describing you know the night that they took them but look at that i mean that's just you know that's up in the sky like what how do you even comprehend that how do you react when you see it well thankfully sean and josh like shit let's let's grab grab the camera and some of this uh, footage that they've captured was captured actually on that sony digital camera that i used to shoot the video that you're watching right now with the little square down in the corner there and uh, some of it they just took on their cell phones and i think i distinguished that here in the different clips with the uh, with the text that comes up but yeah this the, these photos here are phenomenal I, I i call this you know the the geometric ufo photos uh, along with the uh, geometric ufo video that you saw before this 
let's see what's coming up next here oh yes yes so this is maybe a little bit deceiving that might seem lower than it than than how it looks here but where that light is the treetops are under it you just really can't see it because the video is so dark but that's that's like high up in the sky and so the sky is above it and the treetops are are below this and they're outside last summer and they're they're watching fireflies and they're seeing some strange lights and they saw this light as well so you know they have the camera on the tripod and they're filming it but they're also you know looking at fireflies with shauna's younger son shauna has two sons and uh, they're outside with the 11 year old i think he was 10 at the time maybe nine and they're watching fireflies and commenting on them all the while filming this this video and they don't even really notice it flicker out at the end of it which i thought was uh really interesting so you know that's why i wanted to to include this clip here uh, but I, I just love that anytime something happens, you know, and that's the, they're, they're former paranormal investigators and, and they have that mentality, you know, like get the camera, get the camera, get the camera, who cares how insignificant it is or how it's going to come out, just get it and capture it and we can look at it and we can deal with it later, but let's experience it in the more, in the moment, but also capture it. Also, what I like about these guys that they, is that they're so supportive of one another when it comes to these encounters. Because Shauna described, you know, in the experiences section of this documentary, she described some some pretty terrifying encounters. You know, she had the, the horrible stomach pain. And, you know, is that related to some sort of abduction experience? And are they doing something? to her if you know if all of that is true you know is, is there some experiment are they doing something in her ovaries area you know that's again sounds insane but you know is that happening and anyway she's having all these thoughts and the one person that she needed to believe her or to understand her or really just to listen to her was josh and he did and he supported her. And then when Josh was like, you know, my wall opened up and I was seeing another dimension and these things were grabbing me. And, you know, what he needed was to not be told that he's crazy. And Shauna did that for him. She didn't tell him he was crazy. She told him that she loved him. And, and whatever you're going through, we'll get through. And don't be scared. You're still here. You're still with me. And, and it's going to be okay, you know? And it is. And it has been okay. And other scary things happen. And, and, and it's been okay. And they've just got this built-in support system that's really helping them out, you know? And before this clip ends here, um, this is what I call like the white UFO clip uh, there was a red ufo shown for a second but uh, there's reason for that because shauna believes that these white ufos are are like these beings of light that really kind of look over them for whatever reason like, i mean she doesn't i mean no one knows but when she sees red ufos like she described in the uh in, in this documentary that she has this ominous feeling towards them and then especially that night where her and her son saw the red ufo and then she started having those abdominal pains you know that kind of solidified that for her you know so 
she she does not have a a good feeling about these quote-unquote red ufos and i think it's just generally speaking to whoever might be listening to this and and not really understand you know uh ufology in general it, it it's probably pretty easy to understand though that red means bad and white means good in, in the color sense you know red light we stop and and uh white lights are you know associated with you know heavenly things or things like that you know so maybe subconsciously that's what's telling her that in her head i don't know she also has some experiences though where she saw a red light and then didn't feel well you know she's having a visceral reaction to it but uh, the security footage, uh, I actually, you know, looked at the camera, looked at where it was set up, and this just doesn't make any sense here, you know, that uh, where where that light is coming into play. I mean, it is, it, it's a ways away, but, you know, that's that's above the treetops, you know, that's, uh, it's not obviously not star-sized, but it's probably 100 or 200 feet above the treetops. And it appears to just hover, but if you watch it for the full thing, because I watched the full, I think it's 45 minutes. Obviously, I couldn't include that in here, but I did a little nine-minute time lapse, but it just moves across the screen. You know, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. There's no explanation for it. And, you know, I don't care if, if you don't believe in, in UFOs at all. I, there's no explanation for this. That's... That light is not there all the time. It was there that night. You know, this is the only time he's captured it. That's not a drone. Drones don't have that much battery power to hover for 45 minutes and slowly, you know, move across the screen. Or if a drone is hovering, you know, is that the wind just carrying it a little bit? Would it be that horizontal? And... You know, it's not a helicopter. It's obviously not an airplane or a satellite. Those things move. So, I, I don't know. I would love for a skeptic. You know, I, I'm open-minded. But I think this is one of the better pieces of evidence. Because there's, there's just no explanation for it. This is security footage. It's unbiased information. And it's just showing you what's there. There's nobody around. It's uh, 3, 3.30, 4 in the morning. And there's just this, this light there. And it lasts for 45 minutes. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Coming up here, I believe, is the uh, EVP section. And uh, it's just a couple of EVPs. But they played these EVPs for me the uh, first time I met them. Um, early last year. Early summer, I believe. And this first one that plays it uh, i think shauna described it perfectly it, it sounds like a, a city bus breaking like i'm sure you've heard something similar to that before but it's a you know and uh out of context not that weird that could be anything what if some sort of large vehicle or something was driving by their home the problem with that explanation is when you put it in context, this is a recorder sitting on their nightstand next to them in their bedroom in the middle of the night. So this is two, three, four o'clock in the morning. And there's no reason whatsoever for 
a large vehicle. They actually live on a fairly small road and, and large trucks actually don't travel on their road. You know, the 18 wheeler, something that would have this sort of sound. Again, it's not to say that it's impossible. It's just not that probable given the context of the situation in the middle of the night, the location of this recorder. It's not like this recorder was outside either. And uh, to capture something like that so clearly, like it sounds like it's right next to it. What it could be, I have no idea. Could there be a natural explanation for it? 100%. So uh, I just like, I included it as evidence, I guess is what I'm telling you, because it's just so odd given the context of it. Now the earth one I thought is really interesting as well. They're actually having a live EVP session and they get the word earth. They don't hear it at the time. They only hear it on playback. That's how EVPs work. And I'm not going to give a lesson in EVPs, just Google it or something, but, um, they heard this on playback and to have it say earth, you know, Josh, Shauna, and I, and you know, millions of you out there have, listen to EVPs before and to get something like earth in the context of what they've been experiencing is mind blowing. You know, it's that, that certainly leads towards extra leans towards extraterrestrial in my opinion anyway, but yeah, so this is the epilogue. This is like the end of it. I'm, I'm, I'm giving them just like their, their little wrap up here. Like, Weird shit happens. They're good people. And no matter what, whether you believe them or not, that, that's not important. What's important is that they have each other. And I just think that's cool. They have a great relationship and I admire it. And I think it's something that people should strive for. These, these guys are honest to a fault with each other. They make fun of each other. They laugh together. They cry together. You know, they're, they're sharing their lives the best way possible. And I, and I think it's amazing. On top of that, they're seeing some weird shit and experiencing some weird shit and helping each other with that too. You know, I'd also like to point out that what's about to come up right now is uh, my homie Brzezowski. He did the soundtrack for this documentary. There's obviously other music in here. That's not by him, but he did. So he did four of the main pieces that are in here, this song as well. And I love this piece and, uh, and I wanted to end it on his original music. Um, his music is also featured at the beginning of the documentary and in a couple of, um, or in a few different uh, clips when they're explaining their story. But uh, super talented musician. I've known him for, God, since 2002, something like that. I met him and he's just a, uh, an amazing dude. He actually, he's, he's uh, actually from Rhode Island, but, at, uh, he lived in Portland for probably about as long as I did, maybe a little bit longer. And now he moved to Texas with his girlfriend. So he's there right now and he's still torn and doing his thing, but check out Brzezowski milledpavement.com. Those guys are the homies, uh, Moshe and C money burns and Mike clouds and all those guys. Now right here, um, during the credits is all of the additional photo evidence that I was unable to include in the documentary. And I just wanted to show it here and, and Shauna and Josh provided them, uh, which is amazing. Like just look at all the evidence they have. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. A little shout out to myself here. I actually did a little bit of music in here myself and I did the quote sound design, <laughs> but 
But of course you're going to do the sound design. But anyways, that's Otherworldly and more. Director Commentary out. Hope you enjoyed it. Peace. WETA 90.9 FM. Available to stream now at classicalweta.org or on the Classical WETA app. I think what flavor of these new Dunkin' Coconut Refreshers you get says a lot about you. Really? What's it say about me? Well, you got the refreshing golden peach because you're vibrant, fun, and positive. Oh, what about me? The bold purple pomegranate means you're vibrant, fun, and positive. I take it I got this delicious pink strawberry because I'm vibrant, fun, and positive. Yeah, it's a simple system, really. Share the shine. Enjoy a medium Dunkin' Coconut Refresher for $3. Order ahead plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer excludes classic Dunkin' Refreshers.